everybody. Hello and welcome to the CJ Cinema Summit. Wherever you may be in the world, if you are drinking a cup of coffee or if you are moving on to the harder stuff, which I do not blame you, thank you for joining us. I am Helen Budge. I'm a senior writer for Cellular Junkie. And this week we have a stonker of a show lined up for you looking at event cinema and the role that event cinema can play in the reopening of cinemas and the scheduling of content. So we have some really special guests lined up for you tonight. We have an interview with Gronya Pete, Managing Director of the Event Cinema Association. We have a dual interview with Mark Allenby from Trafalgar Releasing and Bernadette McCabe from Cine Life Entertainment, Spotlight Cinema Networks. So first up, I am going to discuss a few news items. There's been a lot going on in the last 24 hours, as well as in the last few days. But for that, I need my trusty colleague, Sperling Reich in LA. Hello, Sperling. How are you doing? Hello. Good to see you. And I have already moved on to the hard stuff, despite the fact that it's morning because of, of all the wonderful things going on in California, <laughs> which we're, I'm sure we'll get to. So a couple of calendar changes for the rest of 2020. For those of you that haven't seen the story yet, Cine Asia has now been cancelled officially and Show East has been moved to the dates in December. Sperling, tell me a bit more about this, if you'd be so kind. Well, though I collect fountain pens and I love using fountain pens, I have stopped using them to write my calendar because it's kind of a joke at this point. So Cine Asia last year was cancelled because it was scheduled to be in Hong Kong in December, as it has been for many years. And of course, Hong Kong basically all the government protests and political protests going on there prevented Cine Asia from happening in Hong Kong. And so they said, look, this year we're going to move it to Bangkok in Thailand, which seemed like a good idea at the time in January until February came around and it seemed like, well, maybe by next December, everything will be fine in Asia with this coronavirus thing. Yeah, that didn't happen either. So they're canceling this year's Cine Asia. They're moving it to next year. So I guess they're really just canceling this year's. And they're moving Show East, which usually happens in Miami or in Florida. In October, they're moving that into the Cine Asia dates. The goal there, I think, is probably to move it out of a time frame when there still might be some coronavirus flare up. Right now, Florida is the epicenter of the coronavirus infections here in the United States. Telluride Film Festival has also been cancelled due to the pandemic situation in the U.S. Tell me a bit more about that one, Sperling. Last week, we talked about how Telluride, Venice, the Toronto International Film Festival, the New York Film Festival, how they usually they compete back and forth for different premieres. And there was a point where Toronto said, look, if you premiere Venice, if you premiere Telluride, you're not going to be selected for the Toronto International Film Festival. And they did that for like a year or two, and then they kind of put that aside. This year, all four festivals said, well, we're going to cooperate on how we're going to select films and provide a platform for these films, because we're probably not going to be able to do our festivals the way we normally would launch these films the way they deserve. Telluride said, we'll do you one better. We won't compete at all. We're just going to cancel. Now, Telluride is in a ski resort town in Colorado. It's two hours from the nearest small airport. So it was already, though remote, and maybe not a big coronavirus problem, you know what? It's just difficult to get to. And so the flights going in and out of there probably wouldn't have been very easy. And certainly they're two hours away. And really, they also depend on filmmakers and talent to show up. That probably wouldn't happen. It just was becoming more and more logistically difficult. 
Okay, moving on to our last little section of the global overview. As many of you will be aware, California cinemas have now all closed down again. But on the flip side, we've had some news from China with cinemas to reopen on July the 20th. But there are a few caveats in place. So, Sperling, give us a bit more on each of those two stories, if you would. So this is a dual story, really, and They're not related at all, and yet they are related. So in California, because the COVID infection rate is going up right now, especially in Los Angeles, where all the studios are based, Gavin Newsom has closed certain businesses. Gyms, for instance, are now closed. Hair salons are closed. And of course, movie theaters, lots of indoor businesses are closed. That's a problem because Los Angeles, New York, those are two of the biggest markets. They account for about 15% of the annual box office in the United States and North America. So that's a problem. The hope is that they will be open within two weeks. That remains to be seen, but they probably won't be open, probably not until the first week of August, if not the second week, which puts us right at that tenant window of August 12th. However, on the other side of the world, you have China, which gave a whopping five days notice that, hey, guess what? Monday, you can open your theaters, but it's dependent upon local ordinances, local health restrictions. You know, it's kind of very vague, actually. The monitoring of sanitary conditions and every local government is the one that's going to say, okay, you can open cinemas. So it's unclear how many cinemas will reopen and who will actually show up at any of those cinemas and where those cinemas will be. Absolutely. So that'll be interesting to see how that one unfolds. So we're going to move on to our topic this week, which is, as I mentioned, event cinema and its role in the future of programming and how it can help. It wouldn't be a summit on event cinema without a conversation with the ECA, the Event Cinema Association's very own Gronya Pete. Gronya couldn't join us live this week because she has her son Harrison with her, who is three or four, I believe and is extremely cute, but would prevent her from possibly focusing all her attention on a work chat. So we recorded our discussion a couple of days ago. Sit back, close your eyes and relax and enjoy our chat with Bronya Pete. I am very pleased today to have been joined by Bronya Pete, Managing Director of the ECA. Hello, Bronya. Hi, everyone. Hello, Helen. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Happy to be out. (laughs) (laughs) You've been furloughed since March and you are now on day release to join us. I know. (laughs) I've been given special permission to come out and do this, which, you know, it's it's a genuine pleasure to be able to come out and address everyone, particularly from me, myself as the ECA. It was important, you know, to let people know that I'm still here, though my furlough will pretty much continue at least for another couple of months. But We, as the board as well, wanted to basically communicate a little bit more about in terms of what we're doing at the ECA and what the plans are going forward. Excellent. Well, that is a great way to segue into my first question, if you will. So as you say, you've been furloughed, but there has still been a lot of activity in the background. The ECA, the board of directors, have been busying themselves. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about that and what they've been up to? Of course. So obviously one of the sort of the big pieces from us to come out from the ECA was, of course, our presentation at Cine Europe. You know, once again, thank you to Bob and Andrew Sunshine and, of course, the, the team at UNIC, Laura and Phil. Thank you for inviting us to be part of that. It was really special to be able to present some upcoming content. 
to everybody. So there was quite a short turnaround for the board to put that together. So they did a fantastic job. Brad as well in terms of hosting. No, the plan is it will be me back up on the stage next year. But as I said, it was really great to be able to kind of showcase some upcoming content and, and fresh content as well to exhibitors that they can play. So what came with that is that the board put together a release schedule of events and the titles, which is up on our website. And we've kind of managed to sort of pull together. So a lot of the content providers have kind of opened their vaults. So there is sort of historic content there that cinemas can now book to play. There's over 100 titles now. Wow. Um, we're constantly updating the list. We've had some more stuff come through from Pathy Live this morning. So we can get those added to the list as well. So I think as things are beginning to come somewhat more clearer you know there is a little bit more commitment to dates for particularly new titles on the event cinema side so that's really positive so we're updating that we're also kind of looking at preschool content as well we know view have had really good success Mm -hmm. with some of the stuff they've done kind of around bing and master and the bear and Paw patrol so we really kind of want to explore those avenues and make sure we can make more content available particularly in the preschool as we've seen in the early days you know sort of family titles doing quite well for cinemas that have opened you know so we want to make sure that we can contribute to that kind of that catalogue of of content as well that cinemas can book and play so as I said the two showreels uh, that we've got so the first one that you would have seen that's what we've called our upcoming and that's pretty much sort of content-led that is available to ECA members to play We've also done a sort of two minute more sort of sizzle reel, which will be, again, available to all ECA members. You know, we appreciate that there's probably some more free time in the pre-show for cinemas at the moment. So we felt it was important to create something that they could put in the pre-show before whatever's playing in their cinemas. But then also actually to have more content that they can promote on online, on their websites and, and let people know that, as it says in the showreel, Event Cinema is back. And we made sure we wanted to make it quite generic. So we've got that end card now and both of them have that end card, which is, you know, contact your local cinema's website for more details. Because also we're fully aware that, you know, not all cinemas will be playing all the content that's shown in there, but there, there is a selection in it. And it's more about promoting the content as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to just remind everybody what the website is, Gron? It's www.eventcinemaassociation.org. There is a tab at the top for new releases and the video will sit on there so you can play it again. You can click and play and then the release schedule sits underneath there as well. So as I said, those have kind of been the two biggie things that the board of directors have been focusing on and then kind of going forward We're quite conscious and keen to make sure that we're supporting members, you know, particularly in these kind of early phases. And around that, there's a lot more discussions that we're having in terms of, you know, what can we do from an event cinema side in terms of virtual roundtables that we can kind of put together and making those available to to ECA members so that we can kind of start to have those inside conversations specifically around event cinema. Because we've been quite quiet on that side in terms of our involvement in the numerous webinars and summits that have kind of gone on. But, you know, now I feel feel like it's a better place and time for us to start talking about content in that regard. I think one of the biggest issues as well, you know, in terms of the marketing, so all of those marketing materials will help. We're having conversations with Go Cinema, which got funding, which is through Screen Moguls to see if we again we can have an event cinema sort of segment and campaign that comes off through that so that'll be really interesting particularly for indie cinemas and to see how that performs 
towards the end of the year, again, these are all pretty much sort of highlights and in discussion phases, but, you know, we're quite keen as well to see that we can put on some form of event, you know, as much as everybody else, hugely disappointed that, you know, we missed out on CinemaCon, we missed out on properly presenting at Cine Europe, but also we know come the end of the year, there's going to be more content on the event cinema side that will be locked in and that we can promote. So we're hoping that towards the end of the year, there'll be some form of event. And again, whether that is virtual, which is probably more likely or or, or an element of it will be made virtual so people can log in to see. But there will be something we'll be working towards, which will be content led so that we can help promote and share stuff that's coming out for 2021. I think that just sort of illustrates the value of ECA membership. That's the point of it, isn't it? All the things you've just talked about are bringing members more value. I'm sure you have had some challenges, though. Is that fair to say? I mean, obviously, COVID has turned everything upside down and everything has had to be reevaluated. And how do we bring that value to, to members, like you just said? But can you talk us through some of the difficult things you've experienced, perhaps? Of course. And, you know, and our stories is no different to anyone else out there in the industry. You know, everybody is on a kind of a course of survival, aren't they? And the ECA is the same with any other trade body. You know, we rely on membership to keep going. And one of the reasons why I was furloughed so early was, you know, that was a big renewal sort of time for us in terms of memberships. And it felt totally insensitive at that time to be going out, driving membership recruiting people or even asking people to pay you know so we made that decision to sort of stand back but then as a board to kind of keep things going so that people know that the ECA was still there it still wants to help and it still wants to support all of its members so yeah so we have had those challenges and I you know and unfortunately we we were kind of on a good trajectory actually we did really well and then and then COVID happened but you know at the heart of that you know our kind of core offerings still remain we're here to promote content we're here to support members and, and to help market that, and um, particularly with audiences. It's really important, particularly now, to be able to do that. More so, it's more important, I think, more than ever to be tracking and sharing insights. You know, particularly as, as a lot of you will know from the data that Movio put together that was presented at the UKCA conference, event cinema content skews towards an older audience, you know, sort of broadly speaking in terms of the realms of things that sit under event cinema. So... As we all know, you know, the older audiences are the ones that, you know, sort of create the most nervousness in terms of how can we engage them to bring them back to the cinema and what do we kind of need to do? You know, and I know a lot of cinemas have started to kind of conduct surveys, particularly with their own patrons or kind of, you know, sort of subscribers list as well. So he won't mind saying this, but Kevin from the Upfield Cinema here in the UK. Sir Kevin Or is he Knight now? Yeah, Sir Kevin of Upfield. I mean, I know they, again, they perform really well for event cinema. But again, their audience, again, is of a slightly older generation. So there is a lot of nervousness around there in terms of if they open, will those audiences come back or when will they come back and how can we get them back? So that is a huge part. And again, that's not necessarily from an event cinema point of view. It's more of a wider industry issue, which I think we should all be kind of working together on in terms of, What do we need to do in terms of messaging to provide that safety assurance to those older audiences to get them to come back? And, you know, what Kevin found was I think something like 60% of the people that responded to their survey were over 54. And sort of indications show that around sort of 50% of them would come back to his cinema this summer should they open. So 
positive and I think that's sort of surprising more than what they thought it would be but kind of when you break that down into asking them what would make them come back all that was kind of hammed home in that was around safety what safety measures are you putting in place so there's a lot that needs to be done around building customer confidence and that's across the board for going to any cinema at all so that is hugely paramount I think at the moment in making sure that we can promote those safeguarding measures that all cinemas are putting into place and really make that available to audiences so that they feel informed and they feel assured. Yeah, 100%, because without that, like you say, you don't have your audience. And there's things that were sort of, I think, when Denmark opened, they had real success with Little Women. And again, sort of when you're profiling audiences, those that go to see Little Women typically would be an event cinema audience. So that was really positive to see that, you know, sort of cinemas across Denmark had had great success with Little Women. Um, and I think those kind of insights are definitely stories that we should be sharing. And particularly those that are performing with event cinemas sort of leading more with the more event cinema titles. That's, again, hugely important to begin to share sort of stories around performance and strategies. And I think good and bad that we can all learn from them. So, again, that will kind of be a key thing of what we've kind of been wanting to do at uh, the ECA as well so it's more important than ever to make sure that we are kind of sharing those data and those insights to help cinemas get people back through the doors. Okay fab well the last few months have been tricky and as you say you know you have experience challenges as everybody has in every kind of sector around the world but are there any opportunities for event cinema any silver linings that have come about as a result of all of this something positive? Always. There's always something positive. <laughs> I'm a half glass full type of girl. Yes. I mean, it's all going back, you know, I'm under kind of no disillusions that, you know, event cinema will not save the exhibition centre, but there's definitely huge potential and huge opportunity for event cinema content. I mean, these early months, particularly for the cinemas that have opened, it is all about survival, you know, and I think as an industry, we need to be really realistic about that. And also supportive, you know, those that have opened, you know, they have some really difficult decisions to make in terms of programming. Everything that they put in is going to be around what can economically work. You know, that's the bottom line. They have to find some sort of balance of generating an income against operating costs, occupancy levels, ticket prices, content terms of rentals as well. You know, all of that comes into play. And in these early stages, events might not be what they pick to put on in the early weeks because as I said what's key to these opening phases is building that consumer confidence and actually it may be a lower risk to go for a back catalogue title where the rental terms are cheaper and they can make that risk but then what they're sort of building then over the next couple of months is that confidence to get audiences to return and that's kind of what's important and again that is something collectively as an industry we should be supporting but you know as I said sort of further down the line you know the opportunities for event cinema sort of six months down the line to two years is huge there's a lot of new content coming out from event cinema a lot of content providers still haven't placed dates on things that they've got there is more stuff to kind of come out that that will help I mean again from conversations that I'm having with exhibitors you know what they're seeing that people are booking is new stuff you know, and, that, and that's new across the board. And that is what they need. There does. I mean, we all know it. You know, I don't need to keep saying it, but there does need to be a big release 
you know, in the next few months that will, A, encourage more cinemas to open and also to basically that will have a kind of marketing budget and spend behind it that will bring more audiences in. And then you kind of have that kind of domino effect of being able to kind of broaden programming a little bit more, taking bigger risks, putting in event cinema content where the opportunities are there where you've got a higher ticket price. But if you've got a little bit more confidence that you can actually fill those seats at a higher ticket price, then that will encourage more cinemas to be able to book it. As I said, in these early weeks, it's about survival and generating revenue where they can. And that's where we should be helping support, particularly in terms of pushing those safeguarding measures and the messaging that cinemas are a safe place to go to. And also you can have that experience, you know. Again, we know from surveys and research that's been done across the industry, Cinema going is up there in terms of the top activities that people want to return to. We also know within that that there is a huge appetite for live performances for people to see within the cinema. You know, and again, I think there's a real opportunity here for the cinema industry to support the performing arts sector more broadly. Their roadmap to recovery is not as straightforward as it is for the cinema sector. They have so many more logistical challenges that they have to overcome. And there's a real opportunity, I think, for cinemas to basically help in this transition stage to help promote arts content more broadly and particularly for the out-of-home experience. As we've seen, particularly in terms of Royal Opera House and National Theatre Live have had huge success with putting their content up online or VOD channels, you know, even particularly if it's paid for. They've had great success rates. Uh, You know, Frankenstein had two million views in its first week that it went out. And again, you know, Royal Opera House have seen a huge percentage increase from what they've been putting on week on week. What happens now is what's the transition? What is the transition of getting them from the home into out of home experience to be able to enjoy that content? And basically cinemas can be that halfway house to be able to promote it, to promote that content in a safe and secure environment. And then sort of build that in nurturing people to then go back and see the live performances at the point when they are able to do so. And again, you know, they they all have kind of the hopeful reopening date to having a live performance, not necessarily a full schedule of performances that take place with, you know, a kind of a, a worst case scenario not being till Easter because, you know, they have to factor in things like rehearsal times. You know, there's everything that you don't even think about in terms of how they rehearse, getting ready backstage, the distancing that they have to have in place for performers for live stage. It's something like three metres. If you're singing, you have to keep a social distance of three metres on stage. And then even the audience from the stage performers need to be around six metres at the moment. That's in the UK. So there are challenges there that they face on their side. And as I said, there's a huge opportunity, you know, both from a content provider point of view, but from an exhibitor point of view, to be able to really help promote that content of performing arts more broadly. And as I said, and sort of help this transition period as we go through. I think that's really interesting. And it's it's exactly like you say, isn't it? These factors and elements that you don't consider at all, the the distances necessary and the the actual performers and the rehearsals, the rehearsal rooms. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that's really interesting. As you said, there's a whole range of content available, isn't there? There's old stuff, there's new stuff. As I said, you know, more is being confirmed as the kind of the weeks are going on. And what is interesting is that the appetite to bring back the live is still there as well. And there's definitely conversations going around. As I said, you know, it, it is all dependent on when things can open again, particularly on the performing arts side. But there definitely is an opportunities and discussion about bringing back live. 
So that will be exciting as well. Uh, and, you know, and those are the things, as we know, that exhibitors want because that live feeling is that the live is king, as they've kind of said in terms of event cinema. It will come back. And as I said, for everybody, it's going to be an interesting few months. Everybody's watching everybody and what they're doing, what they're playing, what they're programming, how it's performing. This weekend in the UK, there were three event cinema titles that got played. And again, I don't know who the cinema is, but they had storming success with 42nd Street. And actually, when you're looking at the occupancy levels, it pretty much felt like it was a sellout. So that's hugely encouraging. Again, I don't know who the cinema is. I couldn't find out who it is before today to record. But that's promising. That is really promising again. So there's definitely an appetite, as we're sort of seeing from research, that people want live performances. As I said, that is kind of coupled with a strong message that needs to come from the industry around safeguarding and the measures that cinemas are putting in place. You know, as we're sort of seeing, and we should be looking at kind of other sectors as well in terms of hospitality and the patterns of behaviour, particularly from older audiences and what they're doing. Are they going out? Are they meeting each other for a cup of coffee? You know, and again, what is the psychology there that needs to be done to to make them come back into a cinema? And, and what can we do to help that? Yeah, Fab. Thank you so much for joining us, Gronya, and Thanks all the best with, with the coming months. And I'm sure we will be hearing from you again very soon. Oh, you will. I'll be back soon. <laughs> Don't you worry. Thanks, everybody. Cheers, Gron. Bye. So thank you ever so much to Gronya Pete. So I'm going to hand over to Sperling now, who is going to talk to our next two guests. So without any further ado, Sperling, over to you. Well, I'm actually very pleased that we have two of the leading event cinema providers here with us. We have, of course, you know, Bernadette McCabe is, you know, you really only need to say Bernadette and everybody in this industry knows exactly who you're talking about. She's kind of like Madonna in that way. You know, the one name, like Prince, Madonna, wow. only one name is needed. So Bernadette McCabe from Cinelife, of course, a, a part of Spotlight Cinema Networks. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And of course, we also have Mark Allenby, who is with Trafalgar Releasing. And Bernadette, what is Cinelife and what kind of stuff have you been doing and, and what's your role there? Uh, Spotlight Cinema Networks is a cinema advertising company based here in the United States, and we focus on the art house and upscale luxury market, as well as dine-in theaters. And I joined the company a little over a year ago to spearhead our event cinema division, which was newly launched at the time. And what kind of event cinema titles have you been doing in the past? Do you specialize in one specific title or one specific genre of titles, or is it kind of a broad-based selection? Yeah, our strategy is kind of twofold. We look for things that play really well mainstream audiences, but also we do look at content that will play really well for the audience that we serve with our cinema advertising business. So we have, you know, more mainstream appealed things like concerts, but we also have performing arts, we have documentaries, we have some retro films. So we look at things two different ways. Bernadette, that's who you are. That's what you do with um, City Life. Yeah. Tell us about what content you might have planned for when cinemas do finally start to reopen in a, in a sort of sustainable sense. Can you tell us a bit about what's upcoming? Sure. And I think a lot of it's what Grania mentioned. And I think that's what a lot of the event cinema companies are doing worldwide. Obviously, Cinelife Entertainment is our consumer facing division at Spotlight. We're focused only on the US, the domestic market. But I think a lot of what we're doing is very similar to the other companies around the world and what they're doing. And exactly as Grania said, we don't think event cinema is going to save the industry. We think it's something that can be additive, that can be beneficial. For us at Cinelife Entertainment, we have a slate of offerings that are available right now for U.S. 
exhibitors. They can book anytime. But we have Rigoletto on the Lake. We've got Comédie Française. We've got a great lineup of titles from Sony Pictures Classics. We had planned for June to be sort of pride themed for the month of June. And we also have a great Rolling Stones concert, which is for outdoor and drive-in venues. With all of the content we already have available, we're providing maximum flexibility. So exhibitors can book it whenever they have time, whenever they have a need, whenever they want to program something a little bit different for their audiences. That's where we want to help fill in that gap a little bit is just provide a variety of content offerings and just some things that are a little bit different versus, you know, there's not a lot of new films that are coming out right now. So we're just hoping to help bridge a little bit of that gap right now. Well, let's see if we get Mark back. So let's just see if Mark, I'm hoping you can hear us. I can hear you, but can you hear me? Yes. So if we can rewind time, if you could tell us a little bit about Trafalgar and what your role there is and and maybe some of the releases that you've worked on historically and ones that you're working on now. Sure. So Trafalgar releasing uh, position themselves as a global event cinema specialist. We've had a, a long history in this space represents some of the biggest arts organisations, including the likes of the Royal Opera House, Royal Shakespeare Company, Metropolitan Opera, Bolshoi Ballet, and so on. Also, uh, put a lot of emphasis on kind of individual one-off theatre productions, music productions. And so across 2019, we released titles like The King and I, uh, BTS, Metallica, Depeche Mode, in the past worked across Grateful Dead, Nick Cave, Rammstein. So any kind of bands, artists which have large global appeal for cinema audiences. Well, let me ask you this. What does your role involve as the CEO there at Trafalgar? I mean, what are you working on day to day and what are you working on during this time period? Well, at the moment, it's dealing with the sort of challenges of, of a closed industry and how we kind of navigate the company through that. I mean, essentially, uh, the role is supporting the team which we've assembled, who, who are great individuals who are experts in their field. And really, I just offer them help when, when needed for them to do their jobs, which they do very well. A bit beyond that, we look at how we can grow the business, how we can expand it. A couple of years ago, we took the opportunity to expand into the US, which has paid dividends. We've invested in a team of seven there. And that was really part of establishing a strategy, looking at where opportunities were. And in the day-to-day, that's what my role is as well. And how do you think as cinemas reopen and as we get back to cinemas, how do you think event cinema could actually you know, Bernadette, for instance, said it was additive. How do you think event cinema could help reopen cinemas? I think as Gronny said earlier, it's probably less about the initial days. I I think cinemas will turn to repertory titles and and look at how they can do that with kind of easier, low-hanging opportunities. But event cinema is, as a side of the industry, very nimble, very agile. Again, as Gronny said, attracts high ticket prices, and also takes different customer practices. So typically people are buying weeks, if not months in advance for their tickets. And that kind of stability and security for the exhibition sector is going to be very advantageous for event cinema and for them, for the exhibitors to, to plan. I think the majority of the industry is looking at doing what we do already, but just doing it with vigor and, and, and enthusiasm to ensure that we can be part of the, the ecosystem, which we all rely on. Well, and, you know, I guess, do you have specific content that you have in the pipeline for when cinemas reopen? Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a healthy, robust slate for quarter three, quarter four. There, there's some great acts. Unfortunately, n- none are announced yet, and we can't sort of discuss those here. But there's uh, you know, a good pipeline of content. A lot of productions which were shot and some slated for March and April, which then weren't released, others which were always planned for this period, and some that, that have been captured or finished during the actual COVID outbreak and as 
areas begin to open up. So from that perspective, it feels healthy. But the challenge which we're all grappling with is, you know, we're only one part of a big industry and we need the cinemas to open. We need the product to come through from, from all sides so that event cinema can be part of that, that kind of story. Well, part of that, of course, as you mentioned, it relies on exhibitors. It relies on cinemas being open. Bernadette, have you been speaking with exhibitors during this time period? And if so, what have your conversations been like and what have you been saying to them? Yeah, specifically as it relates to event cinema, we are in constant communication, our entire team and our company speaking with exhibitors every day. And on the event cinema side, we are just hoping with the offerings that we have today, again, like I said, we can help maybe bridge some of the gap for them, just let them know that it's available. And then we also have titles that are booked through the end of the year. So also letting them know what's to come and September and October and throughout the year and how that can help them potentially with their planning. And, you know, obviously the biggest thing right now here in the U.S. is focusing on reopenings in some places, reopenings and closings, and just managing that flow of what's open right now is the most active conversations we're having. Well, and you mentioned you have a couple of concerts. One is the Rolling Stones. I know that there are no concerts right now. However, there are still album releases. So could you produce a live event where the audience might be socially distanced and then beam them to cinemas or even into drive-ins. Right. So with our Rolling Stones concert, that's available through September 15th for outdoor pop-up venues, drive-ins. So only outdoor, not indoor theaters. But we are certainly also in contact with a lot of content creators and people who are looking to see how can they create something in this current environment. Or in some cases, how can they finish something in this environment? Because they may have started something and it Maybe in post-production at this point in those cycles, as we all know, is also really extended. So people are getting really creative and I think really clever in what they're doing and how they're trying to capture things. And you're talking with a lot of creative people who have been not working and that's not what they they want to work and they want to be able to do things they want to be able to create. So I think we'll also see coming out of this some really interesting and different things. Things may not look the same that they may have looked at, you know, a couple of months ago. But I think there's some really interesting opportunities to do things very creatively and very differently. And I think there are a lot of people on the creative side looking into that. Well, and Mark, I guess the same question would apply to you. Are you working on live events that might be live or near live or pseudo live with certain entities? I think there's increasingly the performing arts sector are looking at how they can navigate the restrictions in place. And you know, we're beginning to see live events are happening in UK theatres. There's quite a few which have been uh, staged that are streaming. Nick Cave did a concert at Alexander Palace last month, which is going on YouTube next week. And I think the streets are doing something similar in Hackney in a couple of weeks. So artists are getting out. They are beginning to perform. They're doing it in a stripped down version. They're doing it differently. Currently, that's not going into cinemas, but, but it will. And I, I'm sure that the coming months, we will see some of the projects like that making their way to cinema as really all the industries adapt to to these times and and the new pressures. Well, and you work in the EU. We do have a question here about France. Do you have any information about cinemas opening up in France? And since they had some good protocols there, are they doing well in France? I don't know. Do you have any information about France at all? Not more than what's in the public domain, I think. But my understanding is that it's going well and that there's, rightly said, there's good protocols in place and, and a kind of a responsible government and kind of social guidance, which is meaning that, as we would expect, cinema can be a very safe environment where people can come and enjoy themselves again. Well, and I think it was last week during our Zoom cocktail hour, I believe Alison Burns of Novo Cinemas was discussing 
taking cinemas and turning them into a classroom so that you could kind of have half the class in the actual school, the other half in an actual cinema space. Has there been any out of the box thinking about how event cinema could really reutilize or repurpose certain cinemas, Bernadette? I mean, that's really up to the exhibitor and whatever we could do to be helpful and to be their, you know, their partners and whatever they are doing. We obviously are open to any ideas and suggestions there. We haven't really explored those types of things. We do definitely have some content in the fall. For example, we have some of Shakespeare's Globe. That could be really interesting for cinemas to partner with their local board of education, perhaps to show something like that, depending on what people are doing for school in the fall. So there are certainly things we can explore. We have definitely not really looked into the educational opportunities quite yet. What about you, Mark? Any out-of-the-box thinking for cinemas in that regard? I think we've sort of joked internally, which is not a reference to that comment exactly, but since COVID, there's no such thing as a bad idea anymore. Every idea needs to be explored. And because we're now in a new world, we need to, you know, we need to be innovative and think everything through. I, I think with education specifically, though, there's so many other considerations around school curriculum in the UK, certainly different counties, different school boards, and, and, and similarly internationally, that I'm not sure there'll be an event cinema model that necessarily lends itself to that. Also, there's still the optimism that certainly schools will be reopening from September onwards. And if that's the case, then it would be less required. Well, and we have another question here. It's whether you can run some of these event cinema programs on the Facebook page of an exhibitor. Is that possible or is that allowed? And if so, can you facilitate that, Bernadette? I thought it was an excellent question. It's not something, again, that we've really looked into yet, but I do think that's very interesting and that could be something for us to explore. What about yourself, Mark? Have you been crossing the gap of social media and cinemas? Less on social media, but I think as has exhibition, I think distributors have been looking at how they can monetize content, reach audiences at times when cinemas might not be open as well and and looking at that vulnerability. So I think there's a lot of creative thinking and and development of business ideas around TVOD and and the like. Where that lands in the long run is, I think, open to debate and and clearly there's sensitivity there as well. So I think our focus still is and should be on getting cinemas open and working with cinemas. And and that's that's really the, the emphasis. It is about reaching audiences and we need to do everything we can to do that as well. Well, and as myself and everybody in the U.S. watched Hamilton on July 3rd and 4th and over the last weekend, I couldn't help but think, boy, this would have been great in a movie theater. You know, it probably would have been a number one film and made a mint in theaters. But that said, that was something that was filmed years ago and was kind of purposefully shelved to be released later. Are there record companies or film distributors that are digging through their archives and coming to you, Bernadette, and saying, hey, you know what? We had no plans and no intention of distributing this concert or this play or this movie again. But you know what? As an event, it could work once cinemas reopen. Yeah. And I think what everyone's been saying too, we all have to be just very open-minded and flexible in how we're doing things and how we look to acquire content five or six months ago is very different than it is today. And it's going to continue to be different. So we need to just be open to all different kinds of ideas and opportunities. And perhaps there are deeper looks we can do into things that have already been captured. And are there new ways that we can present that? And those are all of the things that we are looking at on an ongoing basis. So, you know, we'll see what comes of those. But again, there is going to be a little bit of a lull in acquiring content, perhaps. So perhaps there are things we can look to put back in theaters 
or in theaters for the first time that have never been there? And how do we represent that? And based on, you know, what are the consumer tastes and the moviegoer tastes today? And how does that differ from, you know, where it was a couple of months ago? Mark, I guess the same question would be asked of you about content acquisition and whether record companies and record labels are, are coming at you. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a couple of projects which will be announced shortly, which broadly fall into that criteria. So, you know, concerts that have been captured that clearly had an audience and a fan base, but for whatever reason, it wasn't felt appropriate to, to release or wasn't in the part of the plan to release it in cinemas then. They've been unexploited and, and now there is an opportunity. So I think everybody's looking at everything in terms of how they maintain and develop their fan audience engagement. And cinema still has a really vital role be part of that so so yeah we're excited about the opportunities to me it feels like there's plenty in what will be created and what exists already it's just getting to the next stage in in the phasing and having enough cinemas open I mean we released three titles in Korea during the COVID lockdown and I suppose sometimes it's easy to get into a sort of US UK perspective on these things but but cinemas in some parts of the world didn't close and and that's also part of this narrative and and going back to the France question you know Europe is in pretty good health from a cinema perspective. So we see that there's opportunity and we're looking forward to the rest of the year, albeit more challenging times than than we would have hoped for. Well, and as we conclude, I guess we always like to let our listeners hear directly from you. Is there anything you would want to tell exhibitors and the industry at large during this time period? If you had one message for them, what would it be, Bernadette? Really what Grania said too, it's just event cinema, we, we hope is something that's going to be able to help over these next coming weeks and months as theaters reopen. Obviously, my focus is here on the U.S. where, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation than some of the European countries. But we just want to be able to play our small part in helping theaters as they reopen and their success. And we hope that some of the offerings that we have can bring in moviegoers back to their theaters. Uh, What about you, Mark? I suppose I'll just reinforce that we're all in this together. And, you know, when trading stopped, it stopped for everybody. And we all want to, it's in all of our interest to build up the industry as best we can to a similar level to what it was before. And we'll do that through the strong partnerships and, and the kind of relationships that we had pre-March and, and will continue to develop. And I suppose it's just everybody to remember that we need to do this together. It's not going to be one company or one sector. It needs everything. Well, Bernadette, who now shall ever be known as, I guess, Madonna. And Mark, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. We will be on the CJ Cinema Summit webpage that, you know, links to your companies are already there, but we will make sure they're there. And I'm going to switch back to Helen in just a moment. I know that there were some questions that came in that were kind of unrelated. One came in about the San Sebastian Film Festival, which right now, is still planned, although albeit a much curtailed version of it. I don't know how they're going to do that in Spain, so that should be very interesting. Helen, I'll I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you, Sperling, and thank you again to Mark and Bernadette for that really interesting, insightful chat. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thanks again to Gronje, Mark, and Bernadette. Don't forget the cocktail party that we have on Zoom. The link is in the comments. Next week, I believe Patrick is back with us, so he will be hosting slash moderating and we think the topic is maximizing the impact of cinema at the heart of retail and leisure. So do tune in next week for that session, same time on Thursday. Thank you everybody for joining us. And for this week, that's all we have. So see you soon.